0: Sports Radio, 12. Sports Radio 1290 presents the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Three hours of in-depth analysis, insight, and opinion into Canada's game. Now, here's Drew, Richard, and Ezra.
1: Good
0: morning, Winnipeg. Good
1: morning, Manitoba. And for all those joining us live this morning at sportsradio1290.com, Good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're with you from 9 a.m. till 12 noon on this blustery, sometime we went back in time, winter morning here in Winnipeg. It is not that pleasant outside, so here's our advice for you. Settle in, pour yourself a cup of coffee, kick your feet up, and listen to three hours of the best hockey radio show that this city can produce. I'm joined in studio by my good friends to the left of me, Ezra Ginsberg, to my far left, Richard Pollock. Producer Tim gets us in and out of commercial, and Michael Remus is operating the R-Desk. Gentlemen, good morning.
0: Morning, Drew. Morning, Drew. Yeah, it's it's a little bit shocking that there's a blizzard in, in mid-March. I actually thought that, you know, the winter was almost over. I didn't plug my car in last night. And you know, on the way to the studio today, I was about to get in my well. Pardon but me, you of not On the way anywhere. Before we, <laughs> yeah, I was on that my was way.
1: The, that, that was part of the problem.
0: I I was going. I offered to pick Richie up because he picked me up last week, and and uh, my car wouldn't start because I didn't plug it in. So Richie had to pick me up. That's no, why you we were so you up, late.
1: I understand Richie picked you up at a live last week. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. No. Gas is cheap, guys. It's only like a fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Triple is. Triple digit, Give me a gas money uh, or... next time. No big deal. Yeah, I, I, I don't hold your breath on getting that gas money there. Richie. I
0: just want our listeners to know.
1: For that... The, sorry, sorry I, as you, just for the record, yeah, yeah. I didn't plug my car in last night, and it started. So I'm not sure. You may have. A, you have a newer new, car though. I, I do a, not have. I have a, newer a Hyundai. Car.
0: You have a Nissan. It's
1: I have a Nissan that's that's from 1992. Is that a 92? No, it's not a 92. No, it's a, gotta be like an 05 a, or something. No, I think it's like an 01. Really? Yeah. Last night in the okay. NHL. <laughs> okay, Richie. No banter. You're in you're in a non bantering mood. I can tell. Why is that? Just keep the show going, Drew. Problems? Do you want to hug it out?
2: Drew, you're okay. going to be replaced by Hustler very soon if you keep this up.
1: Well, speaking of Hustler, he's going to join us in studio, I think, starting at 11 o'clock this morning, right? right. Hustler from uh, our colleagues here at Sports Radio 1290, Hustler and Lawless show debuts on Wednesday of this week. So we're, we had Lawless in studio last week, and him and Richard almost brawled. So we might as well have Hustler in here and see if, uh, I think you and uh, you, Hustler and Ezzy, you
2: guys are going to go at it, right? Now, the, St. Paul's beat Oak Park in the end, right? That was a
0: high school, I believe. The no, it's school. still
1: going on. I'm not 100% oh, sure really? what ended up. Like, oh, I series? Th- I know how they won the series? No, I think
0: they... St. Paul's won the city championships, now it's the provincial championships. That's exactly it. And, quick shout-out to Kelvin High School, who got a... uh a birth in the provincials as well.
1: You're all did you actually officially graduate from Kelvin? Do you have to go back like uh like uh Reese Witherspoon in one of those you know rom coms?
0: Yeah, I actually have to go back just to get one. I think I have to get a one final shop credit, so shop I, have to credit. Take, I have to take woodworking, I think, and lost metals. I have to finish my uh, cutting board and then I'll, I'll graduate from high school, so yeah. Okay, a boy. Yeah,
1: any day, any day now, I got my fingers crossed for you. And so, like we mentioned, Hustler from Hustler and Laws will be joining us in the studio at around 11 o'clock this morning. We'll talk. Coyotes, Jets, return to the NHL, Chara, everything, and uh, coming up at ten thirty this morning. Yesterday, I had the pleasure to sit down with Darcy Olson, CEO of the Goldwater Institute. We had a nice chat. And we'll did you did you fly to Glendale, Drew? I didn't fly to Glendale, but oh. we, through the magic of phones, oh, we were able to sit nice. down virtually. Skype? No, not Skype.
0: Google <laughs> Chat, actually. Did you do the interview on Google Chat? Yeah. It's, Rack set that up for you, Yeah,
1: eh? Google Chat. It's, it's, it's amazing what you can do on the Internet nowadays. Anyways, Darcy Olson, uh, my conversation with Darcy Olson will be on at around uh, 10.30 this morning. Uh, sometime around there we'll you know, talk about the Goldwater Institute, talk about Gary Bettman's comments about the Goldwater Institute, and throughout the show today we'll want to hear from you, your take on the, everything to do with the, you know, that ongoing saga. So once we open up the phone lines in a couple segments, we'll be glad to hear from you. And, of course... Where you know in the next segment we'll start talking about the Char Apache already hit, which has been the subject of much news this week. Sure has. But th- before we get to that, let's recap last night in the NHL. Look forward to it and look ahead to today's games in the NHL. Starting in uh, on the aisle last night, where the New York Islanders, uh, you know, they're still playing some good hockey. It's been for a while now. 500 hockey lately. You know, f- they beat up on the Boston Bruins 4-2 last night. Uh, you know, Bru- Boston had a 2-1 third period lead. And the Isles came back and scored three, four, uh, third period goals. So, you know, kudos to those
2: players for playing well. John Tavares had a beautiful pass yesterday to Matt Molson for his goal. You know, really playing really well lately. The team's playing well, but Tavares quietly moving up the, st- you know, s- the scoring standings. And and the truth is, is with with his talent, and he plays in the anonymity of, of the island. But if he played with, you know, even more talented players and played in the big market, he'd already be that media star. Yeah, it seems like this team is playing better without Trevor Gillies.
0: That's a great win for the Islanders, who have nothing to play for. They have no chance at making the playoffs. They're basically playing the spoiler role, and if if there was anyone in the hockey world who thought Al Montoya would have been the starting goalie of this team for this long, then I'd like to have them on the show, because they don't Al a, Montoya hasn't been in the NHL, I don't think, for four
1: But they don't have any other goalies. All their other goalies are injured. It's, well, either that or it's either Al Montoya or you. Right. So, I mean, I'd rather have Al Montoya. No, but good offense. for
0: him, because he's been in the AHL. He was a first-round draft pick of the Rangers. Richie knows that, and... Um, on a you know, it's yeah, kind of a yeah. good, good story, I mean, who knows if, if he'll, I mean, I, 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 I believe that he's at least earned the right to be DiPietro's backup next year, the way he's played here, but I mean, there's, all, there's other goaltenders on the Islanders' depth chart, but I think he's got a pretty crazy record, Richie, it's like 7-3, and three. but anyways, good for yeah, him. Good, the, for, good, the good yeah, for the Islanders, yeah. Hey, it's, no, it's but I mean, it's good right. for these teams that, you know, like Ottawa and the Islanders that are at least, you know, having something to be, cheer about here.
1: Their fans probably want them to tank.
0: Fair enough. Okay. Well Edmonton's getting the first overall pick. Let's not get it twisted here. Especially with uh especially with all the injuries they have. I think, anyways, there's a lottery, but I think Edmonton's going to get that first overall pick. That's my opinion.
1: But. I'd say that it's, that's a likely scenario. We'll moving, to wa- moving to Washington last night, speaking about another team that came back uh, being down in the third period, the Caps were down one nothing after two to the Carolina mm-hmm. Hurricanes, scored uh, two goals, Ovechkin and
2: Hendricks in the, in the third period for the Caps to beat the, uh, to beat the Hurricanes 2-1 in Washington last night. Um, Ovechkin's goal was a beautiful wrist shot. Cam Ward probably would tell you you should have had it though, and that was a turning point there. Carolina playing for a playoff spot, doesn't get it. The second goal, um, Ward had no chance on. It was an Arna to breakaway rebound. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, one nothing in lead. You have a third period. You have it going to third period. Generally, teams have a very, very, very high percentage of winning if they ha- if they lead after two. Going in, and you're in Washington, you blow that game. That's a huge loss for Carolina, who's you know whose odds to make the playoffs drop with every move like that, right? Every every okay. every game like that. Their odds drop and right now they're below 50% to make the playoffs. Yeah,
1: they're two points behind both Buffalo and New York. Buffalo and New York are tied for the 7th and 8th playoff spots in the in the Eastern Conference. Carolina's two points behind to them. And uh, very quietly, Washington has put together a they've won 7 in a row. They're 9 and 1 in the last 10, and somehow they they're now second in the in the Eastern Conference.
2: The Capitals. Yes, Washington. No, I mean, I, I was just looking at some of the numbers here. I mean, the Capitals. Drew, I, I really like their moves, and I think that this is a team moving forward. Obviously, Nicholas Backstrom getting in the line back in the lineup with his, with his hand, with his finger injury, or his, his thumb injury, I believe, um, is going to be key. But the team is a lot deeper than they've been before. They're a lot deeper on the back end. They're a lot deeper in terms of, uh, you know, maybe not necessarily forward scoring, but they're more well-rounded. I think up front. And, 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 and in reality, I, I really do think that, um, you know, they've been getting some nice quotating from Holtby. It's a different crew, less pressure, it seems, right now. They're really under the radar, and yeah. I think this might be the year that they can come in with, with, with a little bit less pressure, a little bit more of a well-rounded game, and, and be a far more difficult opponent. Yes, it's, I would agree with that assessment. Ezzy, you want to say something about the
1: Cavs? Yeah,
0: boys, I just have two really quick statistics, because, you know, we have to get going here, and I realize that Richie usually you know, compiles statistics for us, and we do have, remind our listeners, we have Gabe Desjardins coming up at 10 o'clock who's going to yes. join us for st- Statistically Speaking. But the Carolina Hurricanes going into that game were 21-0 after leading, after two periods, they were leading that game, so that's a pretty crazy stat. Yeah. And the other stat is that you know, Richie was talking about Washington's pickups. Dennis Weidman, I believe, is plus 7 now in six games, and he was minus 24 with the Panthers. You know, read into that what you will, but that's pretty impressive. Dennis Weidman's been very You're good. Def- winning. Weidman's been very d- good defensively for the Caps.
1: Washington is winning games this year that they didn't win last year.
2: You know, they they'
1: they seem to think they're more battle tested
2: and I don't know if it's that dreading it's just that they're they're playing low scoring games now they're playing a defensive style let's be honest well I know
1: but they seem to be able to win they seem to be more battle tested at least throughout the regular season this year as opposed to running away with it and they' less the playoffs do- in. they're less
2: dominant but the truth you know when you play that offensive style of mm-hmm. game after a while you can't continue you know you can't Play that style in the playoffs when you're playing against really good teams, and, and then the, you know they should have beat Montreal last year. The the numbers say that, but they didn't, and they've changed their game I think to be able to sustain a long-term run. Right. Uh, moving to
1: Columbus last night, the Los Angeles Kings on the back of an Anzi Kopitar hat trick beat yep. the Columbus Blue Jackets 4-2. Uh, Los the, Angeles is just rolling and, and the, you know continuing on, and Columbus
2: is tanking. typically Columbus. They're tanking. What do you mean? They're just absolutely yeah. tanking. Yeah. They're right in the playoff thick of things. Two weeks ago, and whether they lost, they're, they've. I mean, they're three, four, and three in their last
1: ten, but they've fallen ten points behind of Calgary for the final playoffs. They're over. I mean, they're, they're done. Yep. they're done. Rick yep. Nash
2: was was t- riding the had that the team was carried on his back, and they have yep. tanked. They lost six in a row, I think, there at one point. Yeah, and then they got some points out of those, but it doesn't matter. They're done. I mean, it's a, again, I'll say it a hundred times over. You look at that defense, and you and you and you say to yourself, how do you ever think they're going to make the playoffs? Well, cool. and, and then it's and then simple. They the, the game and is and simple they, that way. Yeah.
1: And then they traded one of their better defensemen. Also, when they're when they're thin on defense, but
0: you know, on the topic, we've
1: rehashed that uh, ad nauseum already.
0: Drew, on the topic of that game quickly. I mean, five weeks ago we were talking about, you know, the Western Conference and kind of, you know, who we thought was was going to be, um, you know, who was going to turn it up and who might miss the playoffs. And L.A. now another road victory for L.A. By the way, and the L. the L.A. Kings right now are, are starting to make me believe that you know my pick of them possibly winning the Stanley Cup might come true because. They're such a good team on the road. If you look at their road record, it's really incredible. And on Kopitar is finally you know, starting to find the back of the net.
1: Moving to Tampa Bay last night, we're on the second half of a back to back. The Ottawa Senators did the Florida sweep, beating Tampa Bay two to one. Um, you know, again, you know, it's a good win for the Senators. Is is it really to their benefit to win these games? Probably not.
2: It's not. And originally when I looked at the uh I didn't see the starters before the game and I thought, Okay, you know, Craig Anderson again. McLean, so, I yeah. Do you want to win these games? I really you don't. But yeah. Tap has to have that game. By the way, they're battling with Washington for the division lead here, and you're going to lose to Ottawa at home. They were at home.
1: Yeah, they were at home, and they they lost. Yeah, that's a it's really is an unacceptable loss, especially on the second half of a back-to-back. They've now fallen four points behind Washington for the uh, and, south for the Southeast Division. Lead. Last
2: week they're up by a point. That's right.
1: Uh, going to Atlanta, New Jersey defeated Atlanta in overtime, three-two. Um, you know the Devils just keep. Eight and two in their last ten still, and the you know Thrashers are middling and struggling and not going to do anything. Devils are eight points out of the playoff spot right now, but they have two games in hand on the bu- on the uh, New York Rangers.
0: I have two crazy more statistics. This is courtesy of Doc Tom Jewlidy. Uh, I'll I'll get these yeah. in quickly. Real quick. The Devils have not given up a first period goal fifteen games in a row. That's an NHL record. Okay. The Devils are twenty-one, three and two in their last twenty-six games. I'm not; uh, they're eight points out of the playoffs right now. I'm not saying they're going to make it. We've talked about this for three weeks. It's going to be very hard, but twenty-one, three and two is ridiculous.
1: Well, I tell you what: you win the games. You have two games in hand on New York. You win those two games, you're only four points back,
2: and Let's then see what and
1: then you and then you got a du- and you have a dozen Even games so, left. Drew, it's, it's, uh,
2: I know it's difficult, Richie. Difficult. The clock
0: is ticking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there's there's teams in the way. Yeah, That's I know the that. Key. There's teams yeah. in the way. But it's still remarkable what they're doing. I mean, they're at least they're back to playing Devils hockey. They're winning games, close games. Uh, Zajac got his first two power play goals of the year, which is incredible. Um, it's going to be That's tough, depressing. but it's just not sports. incredible.
1: Kobe left. Um, going on to Detroit. Was Le- that? I'm not sure what the hell that was, but uh, the, okay. the Remus is the. Is dropping it like crazy here. Going on to uh, going on to Detroit last night. Two one Detroit beat Edmonton uh, in Detroit. Uh, Edmonton played hard, but uh, they were thirty
0: seconds away from from uh, Devin uh, Deb, Devin Dubnik shutout.
1: I know. And they well, but Detroit ended up winning in no. overtime. Like Detroit, they w-
0: Detroit woke up with 30 seconds left.
1: Dallas, lo- uh, Dallas beat Minnesota in Dallas four um, nothing. Minnesota's been outsh- outscored eight nothing in the last two games. They're really struggling without uh, Miko Koivu in the lineup. And Richard, you're going to talk about that later on in the show. Sure will. And then the last game last night, Anaheim six, Colorado two. Colorado's a bad team. Anaheim's a good team, and uh, the numbers played out uh, played out that way last night.
2: Hard to hold back that Ryan Getzlaff Perry line when they're going.
1: Exactly right. That's. Uh, that's that's it for the NHL. Last night, a big night ahead in the NHL. Um, you know, Pittsburgh plays Montreal. It's an exciting game, but I think the game of the night is Calgary and Vancouver. Definitely uh, later on Absolutely. tonight. You know, yeah. that'll just be a fantastic uh, Northwest Division Great matchup,
0: game. guys. As it sounds now, that that Calgary is tied. There's five. There's uh, four teams tied uh, right yeah. now. Five through eight are all tied with the same amount of points. But right now, if the playoffs started today, Vancouver would play Calgary. So.
2: Be amazing first round yeah. matchup. Yeah, it would exactly that would be the same matchup as it was when Calgary went all the way to the Cup, and then it'll be a hell of a good matchup.
1: Let's go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Char Apache ready hit. We'll take your calls on that. Uh, really, we're going to spend a lot of time focusing on that hit and the, with the ramifications throughout the hockey world. You're listening to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show live on Sports Radio 1290. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. 9:15 this morning. Beautiful Saturday morning in frigid Winnipeg. It's only March, guys. No worries.
0: That's beautiful. Minus 20, blizzard. It's great. Yeah. Yes. Who was... needs to go to Mexico, man?
1: Yesterday was nuts. Yeah, I mean, it was beautiful during the day. How was your curling yesterday, Drew? First three ends were the best three ends we've ever had. Unfortunately, we played three more ends after that.
2: Well, there's an end to this story. The story just ended. Never story started. wasn't even
1: a long story.
2: Wasn't a story.
1: Richard's hatred of me this morning has been at an all-time high.
2: What's the matter, Richie? Your curling league, Drew. It's getting in the way.
1: Getting in the way of what? How does it affect your life? Your social life.
2: That doesn't. I,
1: I would disagree entirely. I think my social life is booming because of the curling league. Are you a skip? I am the skip. Really? I shouldn't
2: be. No. No. How bad is your team if you're the skip? Pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty bad. Notice being that point. Do they, still have that, do they have that rule, like for the first and seconds, they can like take out rocks? Like in the, it's right?
1: called the it's called the free guard zone. Okay, yeah. I mean, you know, we don't we're not a very competitive league, as uh, you know. So I, you know, it's really never been enforced. I Where do you play? At the Green Exchange. Is that the one right beside Fort Gary? Yeah, that's the one they're knocking down, and then we're moving to the Granite next year. Did you ever
0: see Resby Cooks? the
1: Granite's also in, right around there, right? No, the Granite's on uh, Moston. Which so is is, right off of Osborne, there? Yeah, if you're driving south, if you That's going, where we
2: played when we were in high school. Yeah, yeah, it's like, The, the it's really very nice. Yeah, yeah it's, nice it's like there.
1: it's the oldest right club. in Western... river,
2: right, right, across from where, yeah, right
1: across from where I live, really. Yeah. yeah, it's the oldest club in Western Canada, and it just got a nice uh, ch- uh, chunk of money to re- do more renovations. Oh, really? Yeah, I think maybe they're upgrading the humidity dehumidifier. Or, I you don't just, know. Do you sweat in there? No, it's, it's pretty cold. Nice. Yeah. When's the last time you sweated? Well, not playing hockey, you know, in an arena. It's sort of the same temperature.
0: Fair enough. Drew, it's okay. Jeff Stoughton is preparing for his final match. He's not listening, so we can talk about hockey again.
1: I, I, I'm i happy talking about curling. Let's go. Okay. Let's talk about the... Really, this has been a... The ramifications of this hit are far beyond just the hockey world. Yeah. Of course, that's the uh, the hit, the Chara hit on Max Pacioretty. If, for whatever reason, you haven't seen the hit, I don't really know where you've been, but if you haven't seen the hit, it is available on illegalcurve.com. You know... Uh, after the, sort of the storm has sort of settled down, we're now four or five days after the fact. We've all seen the replays, we've all seen mm-hmm. we've all heard the squawking, uh, the, the squawking and the talking heads and everything else. How dirty was the hit, and do you think it was deliberate?:
2: You know, it's a very interesting question, Drew. The outcry has been uh, far greater than it would have been if it weren't in Montreal. You you believe? Well, I 100% believe that. I mean, sponsorship issues are very much Montreal-based. In my personal opinion, um, was the hit dirty? Yes. Was it intentional? 100% it was intentional. Come on. Well, hang
1: on. Let me me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there because a lot of people are saying, oh, well, you know, it wasn't intentional. You know, he didn't know where he was. It was a factor of the rink itself, you know, all that sort of thing.
2: Let me get to that. we all play hockey. We all played hockey. You're losing four nothing or four one, whatever it was. At it the was time four 0 no, I think four it was nothing. Four nothing at that you time. and Patrick Reddy have a history. You're mad. You're playing the Montreal Canadiens. They're kicking your butts. They're they're kicking your butts. Okay, and you're coming up, and this guy is coming down on you. You are losing. You are angry. I was playing the same thing. Your adrenaline's up. You want to hit this guy. You want to hit him through the boards. You want to get, make a statement. You're mad. You want to let them know that you're there. And he did that, and he wrote him into the, the partition. Yeah, and
0: the stanchion. That
2: was there was there was an adrenaline level there, there was an anger level there, all those things. Now was it quote unquote within the rules? Well, it was it was an interference. No, it was not, interference. It was interference. Okay, but my point is this: I probably would have given him three games to set a message that's a dirty play. Right. But overall. Was it you know? Was it like a hit from behind or something like that? I don't necessarily think so. They're going fast. He's angry. He's trying to make him pay the price. Was it Was it a
1: hockey play gone wrong? Yes, exactly. That's exactly what. You I'm really right. do believe it was a I hockey did. play gone wrong? I do. I mean, for me, they're all this talk about oh, it's such a fast game. It's so fast he could never understand. Oh, he knew what he was doing. To
2: me, that's that's he nonsense. Knew what he was doing. I mean, it was a hockey play, but he knew what he was doing. When you when these guys play at the elite level, any level, Drew hockey you're is you're driving not, somebody in. You know You know where the but uh, let me just finish
1: what I'm going to say. Hockey is not that fast of a game on the ice when you're playing at that elite level. It slow. They say the game needs to slow down. For the for Daniel Chara, the game has slowed down so that he can see things as they're going to develop. Of course. Two steps ahead. He knows who it is and he knows where he's hitting him. Well, if he knows those two things and of course you can't prove that inside I mean, then don't you have to come out with a lo- stronger than a two
2: game suspension and they, I mean he got Z he got no games.
1: Right. I realize uh, ridiculous
2: and I, and I realize that you know strong I don't the, the issue drew is with a stronger than a two or three game suspension is He's kind of riding a guy out the partition is there. It's not padded I mean part of that's on Montreal Canadiens for having a
1: dangerous
0: uh, exactly
2: dangerous
1: I mean it's part
0: of the ice surface and they've yeah. talked about that for years They were there was an article in the Globe and Mail. I think it was included in Eric Duhacik's article yeah. that they've known that this was a problem in Montreal for a very long time. They still time. have
2: they still have the glass it doesn't give.
0: Yeah, they still they, have the seamless yeah. glass. Yeah. It's very easy to fix too. Um, pay the price. It's basically literally pay. It's, it's it's basically more padding. There should have been more, more padding, padding absolutely but
1: you can round it to who's yeah. you I said, you know, said that yeah. I said you know, I I mean you you can't you can't That's you so have
2: the, to have you have to have glass between the two benches.
1: Yeah. For so safety reasons. Your, yeah. Here are
2: your options. You could actually, can honestly, in all honesty, yeah. you could take out that guy in the, you know, the the, the, one the up, color one commentator, down. which really doesn't add anything, in my opinion. Um, it's just, you know, oh, that's, oh, the, you uh, know, you know, Pierre will always say, oh, Babcock's really angry at the guy who's got to get him going. Yeah, they're down one nothing. Of course, he's trying to get them going. But you, you could do is you could put foam between the benches, all foam, so they can't see and talk to each other, and then he gets hit there and it's not going to hurt. You could do that too. You don't need glass there. Well, I But mean, on the other end, where the where the where the bench ends on the other side. Yeah. You need glass there because, I mean, that's part of the game. Yeah. So that risk is always going to be there. I, it seems like the NHL is
1: always so slow to foresee problems. They have, no, they have no foresight at all. If you know this is a dangerous spot on the ice or there's a, you know, there's a high possibility of problems here.
2: There's also a factor of player respect, Drew, and we've
1: talked about it ad nauseum. Where, where's the NHLPA? Are they complicit in this? Well, then let's talk about Don Fair's statement. I mean, Don Ferrer came out, you know, because everybody was everybody in there was writing statements on this issue, and I mean, Don Fair's statement was, you know, uh, was it a cop out? I mean, it's it's hard to say. Read it. Well, it. he uh, came out with two, he came those. out
0: with two statements, Drew. He originally, he originally, pretty much said that the NHLPA was going to stay out of it. Then he came out with. a second statement. I got it here. I got it here.
2: Drew. Okay. 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 Player safety has always been and continues to be a great concern to the players' association. In that regard, issues involving the boards and glass in NHL arenas have been a long-standing focus for players. The serious nature of the injury suffered by Max Pacioretty of Montreal this week reinforces the importance of maximizing the safety in this area and highlights the need to look further into the matter. We will be inspecting the rink in Montreal and elsewhere as needed to make sure the appropriate padding is in place. We will continue to gather feedback from the membership to ensure the safest possible work environment from our players. Now, what it doesn't doesn't touch on is Larry Brooks basically saying about a month ago that the NHLPA has been pretty adamant that they don't want these players suspended for these hits on each other, you know, for more than three or four games. Otherwise, they'll, they'll, they'll make, a, make a stink about it. Because at the end of the day, it seems like the NHLPA, all they really care about is, is money. money. Yeah. Totally. And if that's the case, Drew, then they have a responsibility here to stop focusing on money and instead focus on the health of the players. To well, me, that is the first and foremost concern. But in reality, what it appears to be is that money is their first and foremost concern, and second is the health. Similar to, I don't even think the health is second. I mean, we, we know how Donald Fair works. We've similar, seen it in baseball. Similar to baseball. I mean, steroids might make you more money. Well, it definitely makes you and more money. And it makes money. you more money. But steroids also does, Drew. Is it hurt you health-wise in the long run? If Donald Fair was really adamant about protecting his players' health in baseball, he would have put in steroid testing to protect the players. From themselves.
1: Yes, but we know that Donald Fair is only concerned with money. We, we, it's been well documented. Barry Bonds' head is three times the size of an average person's head, and that's because he, everybody knows he was on juice, and that, and he got paid because he was hitting balls well out of the yard, and he got his money, and he said, "Okay, my health. The health risks are second to me towards the money. That's, that's right. his decision." But I mean, you know, that in this case, it's not just Barry Bonds being affected. Barry Bonds deciding on Barry Bonds' health. It's the Zdeno Chara. I mean, I'm not going to. Sp- when you fracture your vertebrae, I'm not going to speak in hyperbole here. And have here, a concussion. You're potentially ending Max Pacioretty's career.
0: Drew, I want to I want to go on a bit of a rant here because I I have been you know saving this up for for a little while here. Or are we? Out no, of time you here? can go. You got okay. go one minute. I, I think, and and this is something that I, I was talking to you guys before before we came on air here. And Ken Dryden touched on this, and Eric Duhatchik touched on this. Both of these articles, hopefully, Michael will be able to link on alegalcurve.com. These are both articles that were in the Globe and Mail. The chara, the chara on Pacioretty head is 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 it's a, it's reflective of a, a systemic problem. It's it has to do with the culture, and that's what these guys were touching on here. The, there these incidents, as far as I'm concerned, I, I think it's great that there's been this backlash from the prime minister and and from Air Canada and ah, all it's this. nonsense. Okay, hold on, just let me finish here. I think that w- when people, w- a lot of people are saying that you know Chara wasn't intending to injure him, but I think that's not the point. The point is that Pacioretty was seriously injured has nothing to do with intent if you if if you if if someone is is injured it has nothing to do with the intent the person was injured it's not an accident chara in my opinion knew exactly where he was on the ice and, he, and he's a bigger player, and he has to know what he's doing. And as far as I'm concerned, the problem has to do with violence in hockey. Violent, hockey is an aggressive game, and I'm all, I like fighting. I'm not saying that fighting should be taken out. I'm not saying that hitting should be taken out, or or even big time hitting. I'm saying that these violent incidents happen week after week after week, and they should all the players involved, the NHLPA, the NHL, the NHL. Competition committee, which is the NHL and the NHLPA, everyone should be working together to reduce violence, it's like pure violence here. Um, an incident like that, okay? It's it, what char did was a violent act. He drove someone's head into a stanchion, into a turnbuckle. I mean, it's, this isn't a head hit. This was a violent incident, and. You know, who cares if he intended to do it or not, which I believe he did do. The fact is, there's a guy in a hospital with cracked vertebrae and a severe concussion. I mean, they have to work to take things like this out of the game. Hockey's always going to be and an aggressive the, game. In
2: 2001, uh, Scott Stevens, with a clean hit, nailed Eric Lindros, who hit the deck and was
0: never the same. See, Richie, that's part of the game. Driving someone's head into a stanchion is not yeah, part of the game. Yeah, if
2: you look at the hit again, and it was a clean hit, and as far as I can see, you look at it again, the shoulder did touch the chin. It would be yep. considered a headshot today. Let's go to break. When we come back, much more on this true. issue, yep. Phone, your
1: phone calls, everything else. Lots more on this. You're listening to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, live on Sports Radio 1290. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. 9.30 this morning, still to come. My interview with Darcy Olson, the CEO of the Goldwater Institute. I spoke with Darcy yesterday afternoon. You'll hear that interview coming up in about an hour's time. We have Hustler from Hustler and Laws joining us in studio at about 11 o'clock this morning. And our monthly segment with Gabe Desjardins from BehindTheNetHockey.com where we go deep into the world of advanced hockey metrics. It's a good name for a fantasy hockey team, I think. Advanced Hockey Metrics.
0: Yeah, or just a hockey team. That would be a good name overall. Just like for a pickup team, a recreational team. Is that what Drew said? I said fantasy. He oh. said uh, on ice. See, Richie... Uh, if, Richie, I think Richie just signaled would just, to get our mic cut. If, if you would put the Pollock home search, by the way, which was last week, the Pollock condo search, if you would just put that aside, you have too many windows open All right, on relax, your computer. Relax, yeah, relax. Richie's <laughs> looking for a home in River Heights. <laughs> <laughs> He's making good money now. Okay, D- let's D- move on. D- 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 As supposed to me who makes no money.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah actually, you had the line up you had the, the week when you said, that, "I hope the Goldwater Institute doesn't sue my dad because he's been subsidizing my lifestyle for twenty-eight years." Oh, right, right, I do have a couple of the. couple of the year.
0: job interviews, just so you know, Drew. I took you up on your is offer. Like, like a, a, a I like took you up on jobbing.com <laughs> dot com for, and work opless. So not up for a uh, coffee right now. Get on the air. Yeah.
1: Anyways, if you want to get a hold of us here at the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, the best oh. way to do it is via Twitter, at Illegal Curve. Yep. Uh, you can send us your comments there. You can also be, uh, friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash legal Curve. And if you want to get your two cents in on the air, especially on the Char Apache already hit right now, that's 780-1290. Area code 204-780-1290. We'll take your calls if you think it was a clean hit, if you think it was a dirty hit, if you think the NHL was uh, lenient or... If well, they couldn't have been too harsh because they certainly didn't do anything. Um, you know, continuing on on this, and uh, you know, it seems to uh, they just don't get it. You know, I know that they shouldn't really be concerned with the fan outrage. You know, when it relates to on-ice issues,
2: but you know, you see something you this always, bad, you can't always react due to the fan outrage because then you make decisions without without the thought behind them. Uh, I really, I mean, I thought this play was bad, but I thought the outrage was, was a little bit ridiculous.
1: Uh, look, I think it's ridiculous that they called in, that the police are investigating to see if it, you know, if there's assault charges that need to be filed or, or some nonsense of that nature. That's absolute garbage. I think that's grandstanding by the Montreal Police uh, Department if they legitimately are investigating that. It,
0: it is, but, for, but the thing is, though, guys for for people who are listening now and who may have heard that you know the Montreal police are involved um with this with this incident with the Zdeno Char hit on Mac, Max Pacioretty, this incident actually the 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 police involvement actually the radio station in Montreal um they didn't ask people to call into the, the police to to start a criminal investigation about the hit they were asking people to complain to the police that the NHL didn't do anything. It's garbage. It is. No, it is.
2: garbage. People need the emergency lines you know, for unfortunate situations, and they're getting, they, were, they were absolutely packed with calls about the Max Pacioretty hit. No, it's, so, like, get it's
0: very That's nonsense. All got yeah. to calm down a bit. That's nonsense. Look, that's, that's that's utter complete nonsense. Hey, Tim, you know this people in Montreal aren't going to calm down. No, they're passionate they're, hockey fans. They're very that's fine. And if that's you That's an wanna, understatement. That's the understatement of the year right there. If you want to go to the
1: NHL, if you want to go to the Habs game and you want to protest in the seats, fine. If you want to do a protest before the game, fine. I don't care. True. Don't 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 use up valuable police resources. I agree with you. On that. That's yeah, I agree nonsense. You. That's right. garbage. I don't want to hear about it and any person who advocated that in a public forum, is also garbage. That's, sure, that's dangerous.
0: When you're clogging up emergency lines, you're right. That exactly. is very yeah. dangerous. It's irresponsible. Dangerous.
1: It's irresponsible, exactly. 204-780-1290. 780-1290 if you want to get in on this issue. What do you make about the sponsors, the Air, Air Canada and Via Rail? Based in Montreal. I know. Do you think they're just grandstanding, mm-hmm. or do you think that there's they have any... Like Air Canada makes about you know um, Elliot Friedman on, hockey, uh, you know, on cbc.ca... Came out with his blog post and broke down the numbers, and he said about 35 million dollars Air Canada makes from NHL teams, uh, you know, using their charter services and everything else, and they pay out about they thought about 10 million dollars a year in sponsorship. Who, do you
2: think they have N- the leverage there?
1: Well, I mean, obviously the NHL does.
2: Yeah, that's it. But do end you of think? And a story. So you just simply think it's a function of where. I'd like to think it's the Montreal fan at Air well, Canada getting angry. is what like, it is. Well, and, and, and if they and if they open their mouth anymore, they're gonna lose all the contracts and they're gonna lose twenty million dollars. I'd like to think these guys are a little bit smarter than that than to just you know blast off a press release,
1: you know uh, If they were based
2: in Hamilton, I might think so. If they were based in Vancouver, I might think so. They're both based in Montreal, Drew.
1: And you just I mean it's fans. Terrible PR for both
0: companies.
2: You know, it's terrible what, PR. What about the politicians getting involved? A, a little bit different, Drew, in that sense, because you're not talking about money there. These guys actually yeah. have an influence. And the politicians, for example, Harper and was Ignatyev, they all had their, their comments, right? Ignatieff yeah. had a comment and Harper had a comment. And the truth is, Drew, is hockey is a sport that people are playing less and less due to expenses and maybe violence. And they, something needs to be done about this, maybe at the grassroots level, to be able to have players continue to play hockey and for Canada to develop players. At the level they're currently doing it right now, I mean, soccer enrollment's higher. There's an article in the Globe about it this week. That soccer enrollment well, What is it higher. And it, but, so, in terms of the politicians, I think there is a role that they need to play. You know, whether they, and I thought both of them spoke. They were they were concerned about the way hockey was going. I didn't think it was just a gut reaction to this play. You didn't As find I, it to be grandstanding? Not really, actually, to be honest. <laughs> Coming from politicians, that's stunning. Well, it came from both parties.
0: Yeah. the well, major party,
2: and and to the NDP, uh, the NDP. I mean, <laughs>
1: and we can argue whether or not they're a major well, Jack party or not.
2: Grad standing, go
1: ahead. Well, they're up yeah. in the latest. Poll, but the I NDP has actually, prior to this yeah. incident, been been sort of trying to take a lead on concussions in sports. To
2: me, so, that uh, that part. I mean, Drew. I think at the, the end, at the, the, at the end of the day, this the, this is an issue that's going to be. It's like it's it's like football. You know, about, it's about a quarter of the problem that football has right now. Football, I don't think anybody's going to be playing in 30 years. I, I agree with you. I think that we're going to look back 50 years from now and say football was a barbaric sport, and, and
1: we can't believe as a society we let it go on.
2: And hockey, I mean, one of the things... Scotty Bowman, there was an article this week, I forget who wrote it on Come on, on, the on blog, what are you guys... about? Foot, simple, football won't exist in 30 years? Ezzie,
0: you know, no, when you so. have... What? Am I hearing what you're talking yeah, about? No, when you ha- Why are we building a stadium in Winnipeg
1: then? I agree with Richard on this. When you have ex-football players who are so traumatized by the injuries that they've suffered in the course of their career. Read this read what
0: Dave Dude, Duers- Football isn't let a gladiatorial finish. spectacle. Absolutely it's not like we're it in Absolutely. Roman time. 100% of it is. Let me, let are, me they gonna be, are they going to are they going to start throwing lions into the Winnipeg stadium? Let me finish.
1: Dave Duerson, all-pro football player for the Chicago Bears, a hall of famer.
0: Didn't you have sh- lunch with him this Oh, sorry. He shot himself okay, in sorry. the
1: chest. So, they can, his brain so they can use his brain for science to show the damage that football did to it.
0: I didn't hear about
2: that. And, the, and if you think that the, the, the physical impact of, hit, of the games in the 80s and 70s is anything like it is now, you're nuts. No, it's much harder now because it's the same... I, now, but I believe was Roy McGregor's article. I forget exactly who it was. It was about Scotty Bowman and, and, and a couple of points of how the game needs to slow down a bit. Because, guys, the truth is, is... The, the the lack of clutching and grabbing speeds up the game. The sure. equipment's an issue, the player's speed's an issue, but lack of clutching and grabbing, and these guys are gunning it from blue line to blue line, blue line to, to, the, you know, to, the, to the offensive zone. Bowman didn't necessarily advocate for more clutching and grabbing, but what he wants to do is put the red line back in. Yeah. Slow, the, it game, slow the game down a bit. Makes, makes there be a neutral zone again or more of a neutral but he also zone. For, what he also wants is, is even... Uh, even uh even zones because right now the offensive and defensive zones are bigger than the neutral zone. Right.
0: Well guys, I want to apologize about that. I didn't I didn't know uh what football player you were talking about there so I apologize that, that's for okay. that. But no that's but fine. I think I think that I think that, th- but what you're, you guys are saying, though, goes back to my point, though. I think that it's, it's very simple. Everyone has to, it's not simple. These are complex problems, and, th- and I think it's great that we're finally starting to talk about these problems with what happened to Bob Probert and what happened with c- certain certain NFL play ex-NFL players who who had chronic head trauma. But I think that th- everyone has to work together, and I know that's difficult in this day and age, but it's reducing violence, simply put, and if you reduce These are aggressive sports, hockey and football. But they're not working together. The players are, I mean, look, the the NHL
1: moves at a glacial pace. Absolutely. Absolutely glacial. You know what? We've been saying for years now that the equipment is too hard. Don Cherry's been saying it for longer than that. So you know what? Have they made any progress on the equipment? Not really. Just get rid of it. Right. You know, okay. Simple. Very simple. Get rid of it. You take you softer walk, equipment. You walk up to a guy and you hit him in the head with a piece of foam, and you see what the impact is. Yep. Then you walk up to a guy and you hit him in the head with a piece of foam covered in molded plastic, and you see what the effect is. Yep. That's the test.
0: True. They don't mess around when they're designing cars, do they? Why do they mess around with hockey equipment?
1: Well, I mean, that's the test. That's that's what the need, the test needs to be. Once you do make that test, oh, the guy who's been hit in the head with the molded plastic is bleeding and is unconscious. Maybe we should get this out of the game. It's not a difficult concept to wrap your brains around. The NHL just works at a glacial pace.
0: Let's go to break. I agree 100% with that, by the way. Very slow to react to a lot of things. And headshots, I'm sorry, Rule, rule 48 hasn't done anything. It hasn't done anything.
2: I don't, think, I don't think increasing the size of the ice does anything either, to be honest.
1: No, I don't think it does either. I think it's all, it comes down to, look, the game is just, the game was faster. We've got to go to break. But the game was faster in the 80s. And there were less people being knocked unconscious uh, than there are today. The game was faster in the 80s. You know, what do you mean by faster? I think that there were, the skill set was better and the game was faster in the 80s.
0: More offense. There were
1: 24 teams in the NHL, which means that the, that were, the players were better. The 24 but teams. The population has also grown. Uh, and that's an interesting question to ask Gabe because he would know. Okay, well, let's go to break. When we come back more on this issue, you're listening to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, live on Sports Radio 1290. to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, 9.45 this morning. Still to come on the program, my interview with Darcy Olson, CEO of the Goldwater Institute. I sat down with Darcy yesterday. We'll air that interview in its entirety coming up in about 45 minutes' time. Hustler from Hustler and Lawless will join us in studio uh, at around the 11 o'clock hour. And our good friend Gabe Desjardins is going to join us for Statistically Speaking coming up next segment. We're going to continue on on our discussion about the Pacioretty Chara hit. If you want to get in on the conversation, 780-1290. Put a 204 in front of that, 204-780-1290. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Illegal Curve. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Illegal Curve. One of the, great, the best tweets I saw, the well, best comments I saw on the Char Apache already hit after it came down that the NHL deemed it a hockey play and no supplemental discipline was necessary. I, I don't recall I don't have the exact quote in front of me. But he said, there's a lot of people who've gotten into legal trouble over the years because of accidents that they've caused, be it a car accident, be it any sort of negligence on their part. It seems like the only place where negligence doesn't seem to matter is in the NHL.
0: Well, I'd like to hear what some of our listeners in Winnipeg and abroad have to say, because I think that it's time, I mean, right before we went to our last commercial break, I I said that Rule 48 isn't working, and I think the NHL and the NHLPA and the Competition Committee, which is, like I said before, is both working together, has to basically put something in where you get an automatic two-game suspension for a hit to the head. Let me ask you. That's what I think. Two games. Two games. If you hit someone to the head, Period. And it, well, Not, not Pavel, in a fight. Not in a fight. You get automatically, you get Pavel, two games. Pu- Pavel Kubina got
1: three games this week. Or three games. Two or three games. Yeah, no, exactly. I, your point is well taken. I don't That's disagree what they should with you. Put in. That's a good it's way. It's not working. The problem is that these guys are so selfish, the general managers are so selfish, that they would never go to that rule because
2: of the impact it would have on their team. I don't necessarily agree with that, Drew. I think an automatic three-game suspension for something like that would be a good start. Um, the question is, will the PA agree? It's three, games, it's three, three games is three. games is, Does is, the
1: PA have to agree? Why yeah. does the PA have to agree? They don't agree, they don't have, they don't agree when there's a suspension that's leveled. Uh, you know, they don't have to agree when any guy gets suspended. Why does the PA have to he agree? You read
2: Brooks' article. They, they do have to agree in, what do some, you mean? in some form.
1: Well, how? If you're saying that the PA agree, has to agree when Trevor Gillies gets suspended for ten games?
2: You don't think they'd appeal it if it was something that within the union? Let
1: him appeal it. Let them appeal it. If you set if you set a if you set a standard that what about working together
2: on it? These guys can't work together on ordering lunch. Well, if the players tell uh, Don Fair to work together on it, then it's it's in the players' hands, Drew. And that's what's happening now. They're starting to. And by the way, quickly talking about Joe Thornton. Yeah, coming out and saying that the the Bruins get favorable treatment. Joe Thornton ended David Perron's season with a dirty hit. Uh, it's you
1: know for a guy who really has made it, uh, his career of not talking to the media or not saying anything of any importance, it was very surprising to hear Joe Thornton, ex of the Boston Bruins, come out and say that the NA, that the Bruins got favorable. And, th- treatment. and that was an article written.
2: Yeah, in the globe. That's right, and, and the re- there's talk about it not so much being a Colin Campbell issue because this sign was only traded there this offseason. Awesome, Jeremy, Jeremy Jacobs. Jeremy Jacobs. Jeremy Jacobs, the owner of the Bruins, one of the probably the most powerful owner right now. I
1: he's would the saying.
0: chairman of the board of governors? Yeah, I'd he's say the, he's... he's the most influential owner.
1: How about Bethman getting a five-year contract extension? Seven point two a year. Yeah, but, but, but he's but the like, highest-paid player but, in the NHL. But guys, <laughs> I
0: want to stick uh, stick to the topic here, though. Uh, th- we were talking about this off air here. Max Pacioretty has a fractured vertebrae and suffered a severe concussion, okay, we were talking about this, his season is probably over and his career might be over. How can a guy who basically his career might be over, how can the player who injured him not even be suspended for a single game? How could you rationally answer that question? How could a guy not even, I mean, the system is obviously completely broken.
2: If you deem it to be clean, I mean, Eric Lennox's career could have been over after that hit. Well that but that hit wouldn't have been clean nowadays. I mean, do you think there
1: were
0: yeah, The point
2: yeah, is, know, is, is, it could be a clean a uh, 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 a borderline hit and you can end a guy's career. I mentioned dirty.
1: The, I mentioned the 1980s sort of going back to you know, hockey past when equipment was softer and I thought the game would be faster because the more skill, but yeah. you know, well, that's arguable and I don't know if you'll be going to be able to answer this question. Do you think that there was more that there were, there were fewer hits to the head and hard hits in the 1980s?
0: Yes.
2: Yeah, for, for sure. You kidding me? That's a it's a good question. Drew. it's a really good question. I mean probably unless and, it's the head. I, I think it probably was. And do you think that
1: was a case because the hit her did not feel as protected as he does today. I
2: think you also have a lot more guys these days running, running at guys. Do
1: you think there's more guys running at guys? More guys running, absolutely. I, is exactly. that a function of there being, uh, you know, six extra teams than the 1980s? Let's say, it's and a, 100 it's a and, of, a and 180
2: of, extra players who really shouldn't I, be in the I think, NHL. I think it's a function of the society and the day and age we're in, where a big kid gets you on SportsCenter and uh, the, the right play and uh, and you know the Nicholas Lidstrom. Nicholas Lidstrom for all of his brilliance, you never ever see any of his defensive plays on SportsCenter. I'm talking about. When was the last time? When was the last time you saw Nicholas Lidstrom lay a big hit? Well, honestly, honestly, I could I, I couldn't think of one. What was the first time? You can't think of one. And but if you ask, the best defenseman of his generation. Yeah, but and if you ask most and if you ask most people who uh, who the best ge- defenseman of this generation is, they well, would say Nicholas Lidstrom. What What about Chris Pronger guys though? I mean, he's laid some nasty hits up against Holmstrom and the boards against Anaheim there. But in the, for the most part, Nicholas. I mean, for Chris Pronger isn't a big hitter. No, he plays the game because, he, I mean, he's, look, got a, he's a big now, body, so now, he can use his body to look his at, advantage. Look at this. Look at Dion Phaneuf. Yeah. Probably, Probably one of most in the most overrated players in the NHL. Still, now I think people realize he's not very good. But his hits? Yeah, well, they're, they're devastating. Do and they glorify it? Well, of course. Does TSN glorify it? Do other sports networks glorify it? Of course. And what, and what do you get from it? But I think do I, they then do kids go around running? Yeah, okay. What do kids watch? They watch they watch SportsCenter because and they watch
1: for the hits. You're right. You never see Nicholas Lutz making the smart pass up the boards yeah. and and players wanting to glorify him. That's right. So certainly the media does hold some culpability at that in the point 19,
2: in time. In the 1980s. This this in, this information. The games weren't as readily available, guys. Yeah, you weren't subject to highlight after highlight after highlight. There was a highlight show at 10, and that was it. You're right. You you mean, you, you missed it or you didn't. You didn't go in the, and you couldn't get, go see it on the internet. There wasn't a, and the kids, you know, the kids can pull up anything in the set anybody can, but the kids can put YouTube and they can pull up any hit they want and then they glorify the hit. And then they may, and then they want to hit more. Like those guys, they have idols, they have players. Back in the day, I mean, you weren't looking at, you know, kids were maybe looking at more so at Paul Coffey's. You guys,
3: you
1: guys coach 14-year-olds. Did you ask
2: your 14-year-olds did it ever come up who the player is that
1: they that they wanted to emulate? We asked them in the beginning of yeah, the season. Yeah, we
0: did actually do that in the the and, and 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 was it the big
1: hitters or was no, it the guys it was, who have the
0: It was mainly scorers, but well, I mean, you must have some
1: defensemen guys, on your team.
3: Yeah, at, at a level, you don't think Finno? people are
2: running people? Oh, of course they are. Well, testosterone. And if, imagine, the, imagine the testosterone there and the competitiveness at that level. Imagine what it's like in the NHL. I, I'm sure it's through the roof. I don't
1: dispute that. But, I mean, you guys had 14-year-olds, and they're uh, you know, impressionable, as, as they say. You know, were these 14-year-olds that you had on your team, were they emulating Dion? Did they want to be Dion Fanoff, or did they want to be Nicholas Lidstrom when you asked them?
0: I think there's, there's, there's players want to be both... Uh, look up to both players, but mm-hmm. there was definitely incidents Richie this year where our kids on our team were penalized for headshots. They t- they, they took runs, but I don't want to get too off topic here because this goes back to what I said and what Richie's talking about as far as. No, that's uh, no, uh, a good point. But, but it's not off topic
2: though because no. the headshot rule is a rule in in minor hockey now, and they enforce it. You know, you you get kicked out. That's good. The game. And there's and there's no they, they, they also call it internationally. So the only pers- only t- only organization that's really behind in this respect. Yeah, the o- OHL the got it in there. Yeah. OHL is the OHL.
0: Uh,
1: I mean, this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. If you know everything about the NHL, they, and that's why going back to your point from a couple segments ago is that you see. You've been listening to me, Drew. I have been listening to you. Shun, it's stunning. I know I'm as shocked as you are. Winning. You go back to uh, you go back to the NHL, and they say attendance or the numbers of people signing up to play hockey mm-hmm. are declining.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, that's also
0: cost uh, I, is a huge That's cost. cost. Yeah, that's it's
1: a huge, cost yeah. is certainly an issue there, but safety. Ha- you know.
0: Safety is a huge part soccer, of it. In yeah. soccer,
1: you don't, you, you know, I'm sure they have, they have concussions in soccer, but those are more no. fluke
0: yeah, that's, that's than, than anything. Okay, Drew, here, I've got a great story for you, and I'm not sure, Richie was sit, standing beside me, but I'm not sure if he heard this. We've been playing, we, we just, unfortunately, our, our, the team that we coached was just eliminated from the playoffs, but we've been playing, playoffs. Our, we've been playing our games in Transcona at East End Arena.
1: Right. Go on with uh, your playoff story
0: in our first playoff game a kid left the ice with a broken arm. what looked like a broken arm not not a not from a team that we were playing but from a different league and i actually overheard the parent walk walk um you know in front of me and richard and I, richard might have been talking to I someone was else. Saying, yeah, what but happened? basically he was the parent of the kid who was injured i'm not sure if he had a broken arm but it was an injured arm okay, and on. he basically said maybe parents are going to start to think about paying $5000 for triple a hockey
1: I would think about it. I said to my colleagues at work yesterday, I said to my colleagues at work, and we, it wasn't about injuries in, in sports so much, but it was about, you know, crazy hockey parents mm-hmm. and bad officials and coaching and everything else like that. I said, I'm only enrolling my kid in individual sports. Yeah. You know, the, the, they can, their camaraderie is the only important part that, they, that they'd miss the out building, on. Yeah. And it's certainly a big issue, the team yeah. building. But for all the extras that come along with it, the headaches, the costs. The craziness that you deal with one parent who thinks the, that. The, holy schnikey. The corruption. The corruption. Everything else. Right. It, you know, it begins, you know, when you play an individual sport, and I grew up playing, major- majority of the time I played individual. So I played you're, hockey, but I played soccer.
0: You were a good archer as well, weren't you? Yeah, i a very good
1: archer. Yeah. Tennis yeah. and golf, you know. It was me versus the ball. Milos. And there was nobody else. <laughs> there was nobody else. There was no crazy ref yelling at me. My head coach wasn't screaming, and I wasn't benched for, you know, 20 minutes of bec- or for anything like that.
0: You never yelled at the ball boy, Drew? And you're, and
1: you're still a good teammate, Drew. I'll give you that. Well, you know, I think, I'm a, good, I think I'm a good <laughs> teammate simply because I don't have any skill, and so I realize that I'm not making the jump from the uh, ASHL beer league to the NHL anytime soon. There's no scouts coming to watch me unless they're coming to pull me off the ice to say you're not allowed to play hockey anymore. Well, you're, hell you're hell of disgracing be- the game. You have a
2: hell, of, you have a great form when you're, when you're beer drinking in the dressing room after that's the game.
1: that's what I'm good at. I'm paying. I acknowledge that I'm paying $500 a year or whatever to drink with the guys after the game. I but it's amazing to me the. Headaches and the tears and the pain that we, you know, we put our kids through. Not that I have any kids, but that we put now kids. You know of, that we know that I know <laughs> of exactly <laughs> that we put kids through in the interests of these games. And really, that seems to be. I think individual sports, especially sports you're not going to get injured at, are the wave of the future. I would not let my ki- my kid play football today. Would I you? don't think hockey's that bad. I agree. But I, I, would, I would not I let my kid let let my play football, football today. Either. I agree. And I love football.
0: I, I, how about this? I think you can make the argument that hockey's. Uh, no, r- more violent nope. than football.
1: Absolutely no, 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 not. No, 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 no. Uh, every single every, play uh, in the in football, and I don't whether or not any, it's diagnosed yeah. or not, it causes brain damage.
0: I want to I want to throw something out there to our listeners. If you check out, if you Google, I think it's called the website's called the ConcussionProject.org. It's the concussion something. And basically Is that the tracks one
1: based out of Boston University. Uh, with, not, uh, I'm not sure. With, with Chris, with Chris Nowinski. I, I'm pretty sure it's an
0: American website. But if it you can. check it out, they, do, they document Nowinski. they document concussions in the NHL. There have been 72 concussions in the NHL this year alone. There are about 740, 750 players in the NHL. One in 10 NHL players suffers that's a concussion. diagnosed the concussion. I believe it's right. more.
2: The
1: concussionblog.com it's called. The oh, concussion. sorry, the concussion I blog. I believe it's more. You, uh, yeah. I mean, and that's hockey where not every th- single play involves getting hit in the head or, or violent contact at all times. When you look at football, when you have two offensive linemen, going at it. You know, what do offensive linemen do? They pretty much hit each other in the head. It's like running into a ro- into a, into two brick walls running into each other.
2: Yeah, the NHL all-concussion team from this year. Sidney Crosby, Brad Richards, Mark Savard, Krejci, John Tavares, Brian Little, Yohan Franzen, and Andy McDonald, David Perron, Max Pacioretty, Rene Bork, Marion Gabrick, Alex Hemsky, Jason Palminville, Mike Knubel, Drew Doughty, Mike Green, Brad Stewart, Tony Ludman, Dan Hamhuis, Andre Mezzaroz, Nick Schultz, Jonas Hiller, Andres Pavlich. It's ridiculous. That's the all- Concussion team from this year ridiculous. It's It's too much. I've said it before.
1: I've said it again before we go to break. Let's stop calling it concussion. Let's start calling it brain damage because that's what it is. You're listening to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show live on Sports Radio 1290. Two hours to go. Still to come on the program: Darcy Olson, CEO of Goldwater. I spoke to her yesterday afternoon. We're going to play that interview for you. Hustler from Hustler and Lawless will be joining us uh, coming up at about 11 o'clock.
0: It's coming in studio.
1: Live in studio apparently, and we're joined on the line now for our monthly segment with our good friend from behindtheNetHockey.com, Gabe Desjardins. Welcome to the Back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show.
3: Hey, thanks for having me again.
1: Good morning, Gabe. How are you down in the West Coast?
3: I'm good. I'm good.
1: That's good. Gabe, let's start. We haven't had you on since the trade deadline, so why don't we start? uh, Why don't we start with that? And you know, it's been you know, we've had time to sort of let it percolate and uh, and sit back, and we sort of see how the teams are performing since they've made their deals. Based on your sort of advanced metrics, your 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 saber metrics, for lack of a better word, do you see one team in particular being the big winner at the trade deadline?
3: Um, you know, I, there really wasn't a lot of a lot of movement.
1: In, yeah, we know we were on the air for
3: five hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't really I don't really see anybody who um, you know. I think that I think the Kings actually probably made the biggest impact. Uh, dustin penner is a, is a very good player, and you know he filled a significant role for them um, added a you know a significant offensive player and i think that that was probably the the single move um just you know because the kings had to give up so little to get him and to get him for you know a season and a half so that that was probably the the single best move, but there was nothing there that I, else there that I would say is you know, revolutionary in terms of uh, changing teams' expected outcomes.
2: Sounds like, it sounds like your experience at the trade deadline was about, a, it was about as good as ours was. <laughs> I mean, the Magdivorek trade wasn't something to talk about?
3: No, no. no. I mean, <laughs> honestly, you know, the thing that surprised me the most was I I, I went to the gym on, on trade deadline day and watched right up until the, the limit on, on TSN. And, you know, the the conventional wisdom was that Vancouver needed a fourth-line center. And to me, Vancouver needed... To pick up another defenseman, you know, if they were able to sign Chris Phillips or somehow pick up Chris Phillips, that that would have been a, a phenomenal move at the deadline. That would have been something that would have cemented them as the absolute number one favor, uh, absolute number one favorite for for the cup. So it, it shocked me that. Uh, People thought that all Vancouver needed to do was add a little bit around the edges, as opposed to making a blockbuster move that would have made them by far the best team in the league.
2: Totally, totally agree with you there, Gib. I got a little bit of flack for stating such on on Twitter. And, and on Vancouver, though, I mean, is this the best? You know, based on the, the numbers that you're looking at and, and that you evaluate teams based on, uh, is, is this a, the best team in the NHL, regardless of the moves they made at the deadline?
3: They're they're the best team in the league, uh, but it's. You know, the gap is not as big as as you might think. I mean, Vancouver, we can probably say that they have better Mm goaltending. They went into San Jose two nights ago, and playing one of the better teams in the league on the road, they went with their backup goaltender, and they looked like the better team. So under most circumstances, Vancouver is, is a very, very good team. But... The gap between them and, and Detroit and Chicago and even San Jose is not as big as um, you might expect, and in fact, um, Chicago is, has been able to control the puck and control possession and shots, and, and Detroit also, just, just as well as Vancouver, so they're not, they, they are the favorite, they are a, a slightly better team, but the gap between them and those two teams is, is not large.
0: Gabe, one of the teams we want to talk to you about here in the Western Conference is the Chicago Blackhawks. You know, in this room here, we're a little bit divided uh, you know, about the Blackhawks this year. I think that you know, they'll, they'll probably make it to the, fi- the conference finals at best and maybe even get knocked out in the second round. But Richie, Richie's very high on the Chicago Blackhawks, as are a lot of people. Right now, they're in fifth place. It looks like they're, they're not going to catch Detroit. They're about seven points behind Detroit for the division lead. But why, why is Chicago maybe underrated from a statistical uh, standpoint?
3: Well, Chicago is essentially the same team as last year. I mean they lost you know third and fourth liners, uh, and I guess the conventional wisdom as as it was with the Chris Higgins trade for Vancouver is that that's those are the somehow the the important parts of your team. but fundamentally, huh. Chicago's got the same top lines as they've always had. Uh, goaltending is is a question mark this year as it was last year. and they're I guess they're slightly worse than they were last year. but this is this is a team that w- that won the Stanley Cup and really didn't really wasn't challenged by anybody last year. So even a, a not insignificant drop off in their talent level makes them still one of the best teams in the league. Plus, if they open the first round against Dallas, that's going to be a 4-0 sweep. <laughs> <laughs> People will start writing uh, writing the stories about Chicago repeating.
1: Uh, go, keeping on sort of the same topic, what team that right now from each conference do you see that is sort of Flying under the radar, but based on the numbers, they project well going forward.
3: So I think in the in the West, it's Nashville. Nashville's always been really? a good team. Yeah, they have solid goaltending. Uh, you know, it's 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 tough when you have a team with a low payroll, mm-hmm. a team that's uh, really built around defensive skill as opposed to offensive skill, and they've done a you know a great job of controlling the play. And again, have solid goaltending. And you know they're what three points out of the playoffs?
1: Three this. points behind Calgary for the final playoff spot right now. Yeah.
3: yeah, but I think if you you know if if you were to ask people who are betting on this, um, I I think they'd bet on Dallas dropping out and uh, Nashville coming in for the bottom spot.
0: Gabe, you
2: talked about Montreal and Toronto. You had a post about that on Behind the Net Hockey dot com, and you know nothing like d- dividing people talking about the Leafs <laughs> and the Habs. This is pre Chara, um talk. What, what what you know for the for the listeners who haven't who haven't read the piece? What can people you know what should people be worried about in terms of the Leafs, and what should people be encouraged about in terms of the Habs?
3: Well, starting with Montreal, this is a team that, uh, unlike last year, has been has been very good at controlling the play. It's mm-hmm. it's a totally different team somehow, and I think that uh, you know they, they look to be one of the one of the better teams in the East. There's a big log jam with uh, them, uh, Philly, Pittsburgh, and Tampa. Uh, as the top four teams, so it's hard to hard to figure out who among them is is going to be the best team there. But you know, the, the, those are teams that have done you know that are not relying on on high shooting percentage or on a, on a hot goalie. You know, those are teams that sort of control the fundamentals. So things look good for Montreal, especially again if they come up against Boston. Um, you know, Boston is really relying on Tim Thomas to take them as far as it could go, and Thomas is not quite as good as we've seen this year. He is good, but not not quite as good. For the Leafs, you know, things have just broken very well for them over the last (laughs) couple of months. James Reimer, I think, has performed far, far better than anybody ever expected him to. You know, I had a piece about how um, Reimer had, had come up to the Leafs and had sat on the bench for nine straight games without getting even one minute of playing time. So it's clear that the Leafs did not see him as the goaltender who was going to take them to the playoffs this year, and it's just you know it's happenstance that uh, that he has played so well and and done so much for them.
1: We're joined on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show by Gabe Desjardins and of Behind the Net Hockey.com.
2: Gabe, can you talk a little bit about you know the West versus the East and the stronger conference and 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 why that is?
3: So I think the uh, the West is still the strongest conference, although that that is changing slightly. But the West has just fundamentally had had better players. Uh, you know, we look at we look at Detroit and Chicago; those are two teams that have been have been dominant over the last three years, really. And that has a significant impact. Uh, just having two teams that are that much better than everyone else that has a significant impact on the overall. I guess the lack of parity between the two leagues. The Central Division in particular is, is one that's, that's massively unbalanced. Detroit, Chicago, and Nashville have been, have been very good teams over the last few years. And so one of the things that I've seen is that Columbus and St. Louis have also actually had fairly good teams, and yet they have essentially zero in the way of playoff success to point to in, uh, in recent years just because they've faced off against such tough opposition.
2: Gabe, a question here, and we, we had a big debate about this on the last week's show, and I wanted to get your take on it, and you're certainly uh, insightful in this regard, no question about that. The the anti-Niemi contract, he signed that four-year deal at about $3.8 million, and within, I think, two or three days, um, Jimmy Howard has signed his extension for two years at, I believe, 2.25 a year. The numbers, in terms of career, are pretty similar. Um, both teams control the puck for the most part and have for a significant you know uh, number of years. How do you reconcile those two contracts, and, and and what were your takes on those?
3: So now tell me, is is Howard uh, an RFA, or is he old enough to be a UFA? How, they, they are the
2: same. They're the same age. Howard is. Let's put you on the spot there. How, Howard is, I believe, Howard is twenty six. Howard's twenty six, and, and Miami's twenty seven. Howard was a. He's a UFA at the end of the contract. I believe he was an RFA after this season. Okay,
3: yeah. so that that explains part of it, right? Which is that? That Niami is uh, UFA at the end of this season. But so, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I guess they were the same. They were the same status. Sorry. So, I, I honestly, I don't understand. I think that San Jose just just overreacted uh, to Niami's hot streak. This is one of those things that you see all the time, where a player. I mean, Niami's value hasn't really changed since the end of last season. We don't. We don't think that he's a substantially better goalie than he was before.
2: And I, I will interrupt you, Gabe. I got confirmation. Sure. They're both pending UFA, so the contract okay. situation was the exact same.
3: Yeah. So for, for Niemi, uh, it's, not, it's not clear to me why you would make that decision. I think that um, it's a, it has to be a very emotional decision mm-hmm. because the, the worst thing that you can ever do is sign a player when they're having a hot streak, sign a player when they're performing above how they've performed in the past and I think mean, the best example I can think of it comes from baseball but it's the Arizona Diamondbacks signing Eric Burns <laughs> when he had <laughs> them, one, one amazing season right. and it's a very emotional thing because the fans how do you go to your fans I mean you have to have like in, in Montreal trading mm-hmm. after the after the playoffs as a general manager you have to be able to go to your fans and say you know what this guy played great and I don't think that it's a real thing and we have to let him go and that's 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 a tough thing for your fan base to take. That's a tough thing for a general manager to do. If you were playing fantasy hockey, of course, you'd let Niemi go. You'd never sign him to this contract. But when you have to deal with the press and the fan base and selling tickets, it's uh, you know, you sometimes have to make an emotional decision that's going to cost you money. And that's that I think is really the only explanation for what happened with Niemi because this is a goaltender who if if San Jose had wanted to sign him to a four-year contract at the beginning of the season, they could have signed him for half as much money. And I can't imagine that their scouting assessment of him has changed significantly. They saw him a lot. They played a series against Chicago last year. They know they know everything there was to know about anti Mimi. So why his value went from two million dollars a year to four million dollars a year over the course of forty games
2: is beyond me. and it's it's a great point because you look at it in a goaltender who really doesn't get a lot of press in terms of the mainstream media, and that's Thomas Vocun. You've spoken a lot, you know, a lot about him and his talent level, playing in, like, you know, in, in Nashville and in Florida. And you look at the contract they gave Niemi here, four years, $3.8 million. Volkun's a pending UFA. I mean, the goalie market isn't, isn't such that goals are getting a ton of money uh, for the most part. What could they have paid for Vokun and, and given up Niemi?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised because I think that, well, there is some value to re-signing your own players. And there's usually a, usually get a discount for doing that. Although I don't think San Jose got that in this case. <laughs> uh, Vukun, Yeah, I'd be surprised if if he can get a four year, four million dollar a year contract. It, it doesn't seem like seems like the goaltending market has shifted to a place where Miami's contract is so completely out of whack with uh, with goaltender valuation. I don't know that it's going to drive the market at all. I think people just look at that and wonder why why San Jose made that move. Except for sharks fans, of course, they're they're completely happy with that deal. I'm sure you're the, you're in San Francisco, are you not? Yes. So, there, yeah,
0: Gabe, I, I just want to quickly say that when you when you throw in a 15-year, you know, whatever 60 million, 70 million, whatever contract it was for Rick DiPietro, I think <laughs> that just proves that owners in the NHL will give terrible goalies a lot of money, right? He, yeah. he, I mean, that signing, in my opinion, was one of the worst area. signings in professional hockey. I mean, I I mean, no,
3: yeah, no, any, any 15-year contract, really. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Although, as he's actually negotiating
1: a 15-year contract right now, and I think he's well worth the price. Oh yeah, Uh,
3: Gabe Desjardins
1: of BehindInNetHockey.com, Thanks very much for joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show.
3: Hey, thanks for having me again. Looking forward to the
1: next time. Take care, Gabe. Thanks very much. Talk to you guys later. Bye
2: bye. We talked about that contract last week. Yeah, I mean, they're in similar situations. Their numbers are very similar. It's hard to tell which one's better. Both teams control the puck. And they gave him a 4year to 3.8 million. I still, I mean, I mean, I still
1: maintain I, I don't disagree. I don't, right, I don't we'll dislike it.: it. I mean, much. We'll
2: see. I don't understand it. I, uh, you're, you're. Be- contracts in the NHL serve as benchmarks for other contracts.. Yeah. Why is he getting paid 1.6 million more per season when he's not if he's better, Drew, he's not 1.6 million more per year better.
1: That, I would grant you. He's probably not 1.6. It'll be interesting to see what Vocun gets as a UFA this year.
2: And it's interesting, Gabe also pointed out uh, the Montreal factor Yeah. Really odd that the Montreal is now controlling the puck for the most part. Their roster really hasn't changed significantly. Strategy? Especially in terms of, well, I don't know. I mean, it's weird to, to, to figure out what that is.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at it, you don't see anything, any, really any difference there at all. So who knows what well, it is. But too bad is. helps for a whole year. Oh, sure, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. And they've had
2: defensive injuries. Yeah, they've they they... forward injuries like Camillarian guys like that. They're skilled, they've had a lot of skilled players
1: who you think would be the ones controlling the puck off the ice. So I mean, who knows why they're
2: you know, and 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 and, and reaffirms our belief that beliefs are terrible. Well, that's there's something confer there's something
1: nice about that. It gives me the warm and uh, the warm and funny feeling to get that about 10:15 every every Saturday morning.
2: Watch about, Watch out for
1: those Hawks, so. though. Well, that's definitely the case. Let's go to break. When we come back, uh, we're going to uh, take some phone calls, go on the beat, news and notes, whatever we need. You're listening to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show live on Sports Radio 1290. Welcome back. You're listening to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show 10.20 in the morning on this fine, blustery Saturday morning. We just heard from Gabe Desjardins of BehindTheNetHockey.com. Gabe's a regular contributor to this program, joining us once uh, on the first Saturday of the, uh, second Saturday of the month. And he'll join us again next April. Or this coming April.
2: Next April? This coming April? This, this April. And if you're not, not reading his websites, if you're not reading BehindTheNetHockey.com, You're missing out. Because, because the truth is, is that that site is is very insightful. He gets right to the point, and he uh, and it's and it's certainly worth your time. Exactly. Still to come on this on this program
1: uh, this morning, in about 10 minutes' time, we're going to play my interview, the interview I conducted with Darcy Olson, CEO of the Goldwater Institute, and then joining us right at the top of the next hour, Hustler from Hustler and Lawless will be joining us in studio. Uh, we'll do a little. Uh, probably that's where we're going to do the bulk of our sort of Coyotes Jets talk. Uh, Looking to the
2: interview with Olsen here, I haven't uh, heard it yet, Drew.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm sure I'm going to get ripped for something. I think I sort of uh, I, I was going for an analogy to begin with, and I sort of choked on the analogy at the beginning of the interview. Oh, well, so, you—I you, I,
2: I have a hunch I'm about to get some.
1: Barbara tears.
0: Walters, you are not. Richie, Drew hooked up the interview, so we let Drew do it solo. I mean, we were talking about it on Wednesday, and we were like, okay, you know, who's going to ask which question? And we decided, hey, let's, let's let Drew have his uh, Piers Morgan moment.
1: I prefer to Frost Nixon, actually.
0: Nixon, okay. Will Larry
1: King rip you like you rip Pierce Morgan. Uh, you know I Was oh, so it Pierce? I, I thought it was Piers. Well, I maybe mean, it's Pierce. sorry. I don't know. It's Pierce. I know. it doesn't matter. I know he's, he's, terrible. he's terrible. What is he he's terrible regardless. He should be Harbor Morgan then, oh, well, no, he's whatever. Awful. Yeah, he is pretty bad. Anyways, it's time to to go uh, on the beat and find On, on the beat.
0: <laughs> on the beats back. It wasn't uh, wasn't there last week, Drew. Really? Hiatus? What happened to it last week? No, we did do, we do on the beat last week.
1: Too much to talk about last week. Yep. Uh, you know, Let's start with a fascinating article, g- picking up on what we talked about last week, from, the, uh, from Mark Purdy of the San Jose Mercury News, yep. about an under-16 hockey team in the California Amateur Hockey Association. Good article. It's a great yeah. article. Uh, very similar to what happened in the Winnipeg uh, High School Hockey League. Yep. The Santa Clara Blackhawks had to lose by four goals or more. Uh, in order to make their opponent have to play an extra game to get into the state championships, is that what I sort of I un- I understand of the article? Sure. And so they played this game. The Santa Clara, the Santa Clara Blackhawks played this game against the San Diego. Uh, I'm not even sure what the I think San Diego. it was Gulls. Diego- Gulls, yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, might isn't as well
0: that, be. Richie, isn't that an ECHL team too?
2: They f- used to be an NHL it used team. to be an NHL team. Yeah, the. San- the uh, San Diego I think
0: yeah. That's still a minor pro team. Anyways, anyway, W H A continue on WHA, wasn't it W H A not N H L. They weren't N H L. Wasn't the no, Golden so. Seals? Oh, Golden yeah. Seals were okay. In the- uh,
1: so yeah, San Diego Gulls. So anyway, Santa Clara was playing San Diego, and if Santa Clara lost by four goals or more, the Los Angeles team would have had to play an extra an extra qualifying game to make it to the semifinals. Yep. Uh, so the San Diego coaches apparently went out and told their team. Sorry, the, the uh, Santa Clara coaches went out and told their team. Okay, don't really shoot on goal. Don't try and win. Don't try and score.
2: Take penalties on purpose,
1: right? Take penalties on purpose. Play from behind. Make sure you're going to lose by four goals or more. Now, (laughs) of course, the difference, of course, being here, that given in this day and age, the entire game was videotaped. So the videotape clearly shows these guys really not trying to win. They threw the game. They threw the game. You know... Again, here, here, here's, here's, what here's, do you think? I mean, it's the same situation, more or less, that happened It's a, it's happened a very here. Simul-
0: similar situation, and me and Richard were actually driving to coach on Thursday when I've, I, I found the story, and I told Richard about the, the article that I found, um, and it'll be linked on our website. Um, Jamie Baker is the coach of this team, and if you remember that name, he used to play for the San Jose Sharks. And he's a broadcaster for and the Sharks And he's a broadcaster. Well. And yeah. Randy Hahn, who we've had on this program twice... Is a parent of one of the kids on this team. That's right. Okay, and 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 we're not going to criticize either of them. But in in Jamie Baker's defense, he said that the, and, and this is where the, you know this situation might be a little bit different than the situation in Winnipeg, in the high school league. Jamie Baker said that they weren't throwing the game in the sense that they were trying to allow the other team to score. They were trying to practice their penalty kill, and that's why they were purposely taking penalties and they were purposely not trying because they had a game coming up the next day and didn't want to waste too much energy. So in his defense... Sorry, not
1: the next day, Ezra. It's, it's interesting. Good point here, though. Yep. The next game that the Santa Clara Blackhawks had to play after, after their game against San Diego was four hours later. Okay, so not even the next day. Four hours later. So, so it's a meaningless yeah. game for Santa Clara. Completely yep. meaningless. Right. It's to their benefit to lose, and they have to play four hours after the fact. Why would they try hard?
2: Well, are you aren't you taking my position last week in some sense?
1: Uh, really, but I mean, who makes these rules? Is what I want to know. Well, who's making the schedule? The schedule maker needs to take some brunt bl- b- of the blame. Yeah, it's there,
2: sixteen-year-old double A in, in San and San and Fran- San Jose. So you're not talking about exactly, you know, if these guys are any good. Yeah, they'd be in the USHL or they'd be in CHL. Of course, something. but they're still playing competitive hockey. They want to nice. win.
0: Fair hey, nice. Richie didn't like Emerson Eaton. Em, eat em come out of uh, California. No, I'm just no. But you're right. I mean. Why? I mean, how how do you that's schedule a game? I mean, yeah. I
2: mean, yeah uh, who's making these rules? But yeah, at the same time, do I understand your point? You're playing within the rules. Well, if not only are you playing within the rules, but if you go out
1: and you give 110 percent, and you, uh, you know, pardon, pardon. The, Where's Remus, a the, 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 the Way to give 100 percent. I know. Well, he'll, Where he'll, is he'll, he'll he's in the other room. He's getting ready for the next segment. Huh. Um, you know, why would they? Why would they try their hardest if they know that they a game they really need to win? A game they really need to win yeah. is being played yeah. four hours after this game ends.
0: The simple answer to that is that, and this is where hockey b- sport purists come in. Every single time in the in in the spirit of the sport, every single time you go out there, you should try to win, and that's ah. the basic tenet of sport. That's what I believe. I think, I'm, I'm a competitive guy. If I'm playing floor hockey or or Chinese checkers, it doesn't matter. I'm going to try to win. I'm not very good at Chinese checkers, by but
1: but would way. you try and win play, to the detriment to the of a game that really matters to you? The next game? Yeah.
0: Try to win. Why? It's pride. Pride is a Pride a That seems like a poor in logical decision pride on your and integrity part. And I don't have big of
2: an issue that everybody else does. Let's get going. we got an interview coming up. That's right. So this was just a
1: quick segment for On the Beat. We'll try and get to some of the other articles, or Remus will post them on illegalcurve.com. Let's go to break. When we come back, I interviewed Darcy Olson of the Goldwater Institute.
0: Drew versus Goldwater.
1: No, we're on the same team oh, here.
0: Yeah, hold on. Drew and Goldwater.
1: That's right. Drew and Goldwater versus Gary Bethman. <laughs> You're listening to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show live on Sports Radio 1290. <laughs>